Many of us go through life without purpose, without knowing the power of writing your own story. Canadian community educator and Voices of Muslim Women Foundation charity founder, Aisha Miji brings you the Legacy Brunch Club podcast, where you'll hear from humans around the globe dedicated to serving their communities and legacy building. You'll learn the daily habits and principles that ground them and push them towards being their best self. Listen to stories from people around the world who are driven to create and leave their unique legacies. Eat, do good, have great conversations. Legacy Brunch Club podcast is brought to you by LegacyBrunchClub.com, a global brunch club for humans creating legacies. Go online to LegacyBrunchClub.com to choose a brunch, donate to a cause, and have an extraordinary life-changing conversation with humans who uplift you with their energy and stories. Welcome to episode one. Or actually, it's episode two, but it's my first episode with a guest. And I'm so honored to have one of my closest friends, I would say my best friend, Suman Candola, who is going to grace us with our presence today and talk about how she built this legacy or how she's currently building this legacy and really speak about wellness, how she nourishes her mind and body and how we can learn about her legacy, but also just really learn about what are the things that she does daily. And Suman is one of the most multi-passionate people I know. So what as I introduce her, she has many titles. Uh, Suman is the director, producer, and host of The Identity of Wellness. It's a CBC documentary that you can catch on CBC Gem. She's also the creator of the Mindfulness Deck, and she's a leadership coach. She's also, yes, there's another also, She's also a producer at Self Hired, which is a production company. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me here. I feel so honored to be one of your first guests. And I'm very interested to see what kind of combo we jump into because I feel like you and I have those type of combos that like we talk for hours and then I think about our talk for hours. Yes, 100%. And I think it's really important to share that we actually already had this conversation and I forgot to press record. So now we're having the conversation again. But it might actually be a blessing in disguise because the last time it was kind of helpful to kind of illuminate how women with children work. But my daughter, Aliza, came into the room a few times and there was like a lot of background noise and my husband wasn't home. He was at an appointment, but now he's back, actually. So it might actually work out all better. So, you know, I love it. I love it. (laughs) It was so funny, the fact that that happened. And I'm glad that it happened with us because... I love you. I got you. I think you have so many amazing things to say. And I truly mean this. I think that you have, you attract such incredible human beings. So I'm so excited for you to do this podcast journey. Thank you. I'm also very excited to connect so many humans. And, you know, a lot of the work I've done before has been with specific communities like the Muslim community or the social justice community or like a women's leadership community. And this is really my first initiative or project or business that really I'm I'm just connecting with humans on a very deep level, specifically about legacy. And yes, it's a brunch club and, you know, there's quarterly brunches, but really all the podcast episodes, what all the people have in common is that they are either currently creating their legacy or they've already created it. And, you know, the last brunch we had with Aliza Villani, not my daughter, (laughs) another Aliza, Asuman and I, we talked about legacy pretty much the entire brunch because so much everything we do is tied to our legacies and it's either a learning experience or reflection or really like in the moment of what we're going through. And I love how we talk about setbacks and struggles, but we also talk about what our dreams are, like what we hope to create. And I'll give you a second, Suman, to just kind of actually, I've known you for so long in so many different capacities, but you know, not everyone else has had the privilege of knowing you for so many years. And so tell us your story. Who are you, Suman Candola? That's always such a hard question to answer. I think who I am is constantly evolving, but like some of the characteristics I love about myself is I'm determined, I'm committed, I'm responsible, I'm genuine, I'm fun, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm a producer, I'm a director, I'm a coach, I'm a creator. I feel like I am everything I allow myself to be. 
Mm, I really like that. I think so many times, you know, it is a hard question, especially if you're like at a networking event and you have to like go up to people and you have like 10 seconds to kind of introduce yourself. But we always like focus on work or like I used to. And the last a couple of weeks ago, my husband and I went to this networking event and we met someone that I would consider one of my mentors, a woman I really look up to. She was a chancellor for at SFU for many years. And so she asked my husband, so Mohammed, tell me what keeps you busy these days? And I thought that was such an interesting question. And then after like my husband answered and then I was telling, I was like, that was like a really neat way of asking, like, what do you do? Because so many times when we ask, who are you? What do you do? We mean like, so tell me what you do for work, right? And so, and he was like, yeah, it's a very elegant way, a really holistic way of asking, what are you keeping yourself busy with? What are you about? What is your life about? And that doesn't yeah. always include work. It's almost like gives him an opportunity to communicate like, hey, what are my current passions? Because I know he's like loves soccer. So it's like he can be in a soccer world. He could be out of season. He could be in football. Like, I don't know. Right. So mm -hmm. it's giving you the opportunity to be like, hey, this is the season of life that I'm in right now. And this is what I'm loving right now. And it doesn't mean that like what you're doing doesn't matter. It's just a part of you versus the whole of you. Mm, yeah, I really appreciate that. It, you know, there's so many aspects to who we are and like the whole of us. You know, one thing I've never asked you before that I'll ask you now is what's your full name and what does it mean? Sumindeep Kandola. Well, Sumindeep Kaur Kandola. I don't know. I don't know what my word name means. But my grandpa, he always used to call me Manka, which is diamond. And so oh. that's like if in my OG homie friend group, they all call me diamond because yeah. I'm so extra. And it's just so funny how like he called me Diamond as a kid and then they all called Diamond as a human. Wow. I, you know, it's so interesting. Like you know someone for so long and there's always like new things you can learn about them, right? I know. I love it's it. <laughs> okay. So one thing that I think we should start the podcast off with is really what are all the ways you see serve the world? And what I mean is like, I've known you for years now and I've seen you work uh, jobs, multiple jobs actually multiple jobs at the same time and I've seen you really shift into now I see you working building your legacy working for yourself and also not just working for yourself but everything you do has so much meaning and it's you know I've I saw that shift happen from like you were working a job to this is your career or this is like who you are even like a further shift so what how would you describe it yeah I, I think that shift that you're talking about is like I think there's this time in an entrepreneur's life where they realize that like that at least for me where that like compartmentalization can't say the word but the that like sectioning off of this is my personal life this is my work life this is my family life it just doesn't work for me this is my whole life and actually the thing that taught me that was I was watching a random Instagram meme or reel or something and it had said, like, if you are feeding so hard for a vacation, that means mm -hmm. you have bigger problems. You actually need to go back and look at your life and figure out why am I trying to escape my life versus is the vacation a continuation of my life? And so how I digested that was like, yes, there's times and moments where you feel deeply exhausted or you just are ready for some fun and you go on a vacation. But when you're salvating at this vacation to save you from your life, that's mm -hmm. when you know like, hey, my everyday life, which is actually my life is not serving me. Because if it was this vacation would just be Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I, I had to, a similar uh, epiphany, I'd say like or aha moment. And it was really because my sister hates like traveling. And I love traveling. And so I remember just having a conversation with her and really understanding like, wow, she's one of the first people that I know that built a life that she loved, like her whole life was everything that she wanted to do. And like, it wasn't really a chill life, but it was the life that she wanted. Like she's an entrepreneur, she works crazy hours, she goes to the gym in the morning, like she has her, her whole routine. That was the first person that I had met and had a conversation with. Well, obviously, she's my sister. I've met her. But like, you know, first person <laughs> when I like had that like conscious conversation. Yeah. About like her life. She loves her life so much. There's no need or like, you know, there was no like longing the way not at the intensity of like how I was longing to like get away and see the world and discover to like, you know, she everything that she wanted, she had already built into her life. So there was no need for a vacation. 
and key to that, like you said, built into her life. So like, like a long time ago, when you and I first met, I was working at a telemarketing company. And at that time, that's when I was longing for things, right? Because my life wasn't a true depiction of myself. It wasn't a true depiction of my passions. It wasn't a true depiction of what I was even capable of. But I was in this era of my self-worth and of my self-esteem where I didn't even know what I was capable of because I didn't even hold myself capable of being mm-hmm. capable of things, you know? And so like when I had heard that, I was like, what am I doing? And I responded with pure depression. And I was like, not vibing with it, you know? But as time went on, I was just like, okay, like, I want to build a world and a life that I don't want a vacation from. But on Tuesday, I'm going to New York, and I come back on Saturday. So why don't we link up next Wednesday? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a very important distinction to know, like, you know, I still love to travel, but now I've built a life that I love. There's no need to get away from it. I just enjoy traveling. And it's really important to like understand yourself and understand like, you know, when you're working a job and when you're like building your legacy, right? When you're like in real time creating it. And, you know, I I always share this story, like one of the first years that I think I met you, you were working like so many jobs that it was insane. Like, I, I don't know if I've known anyone who's worked so many jobs all at the same time. But I remember driving in Vancouver past Peony and Amira saying like, isn't that where Suman works? And then my oldest daughter. And then also like, you know, going in like to Superstore and in the aisles, like I see like one coffee and it's like, doesn't Suman market that? And like, yes, he does a lot of different things. So can you tell me a little bit about all the different like jobs that you had titles? And then also like looking back, I think there's a a commonality that I see with people who are building their legacy that they learn for free. Like they're happy to learn for free through all the things that they do, but they're learning. They're not just doing a job. They really are using it, leveraging it to their learning advantage for their, the next job, which is not job, like for them, like their craft, like really honing their craft. Does that make sense? Totally. I feel like when you first met me, that was when I was really trying to figure out like, who am I? What am I doing? And how do I want to use all this energy that I have and put it out into the world? So yeah, I was working for this marketing company where I worked for multiple different brands. And I got to learn what is important to different type of brands. And these jobs, I was on the ground level, right? You're not getting paid an insane amount, you're getting paid an experience. And so I looked at that and in some ways, yeah, I needed to make my own ends meet. But in other ways, I was like, how can I start to satiate my desire? So I was mentioning earlier how I was at a telemarketing company, right? I Mm -hmm. got put onto this team, which was called, it's called a moves team, okay? And now some people are going to know where I used to work. (laughs) But I got put onto this team and no one would call the company after 8 p.m., but I was scheduled until 10 p.m. And so I was just like, okay, like I love marketing. And before that, I was in school for psych. And then once I got to consumer psych, I was like, yo, like I want to know why people buy things, right? Why are they invested in things? And so every day between 8 to 10 p.m., I would study marketing because I realized that like, hey, marketing is something that's going to change every three to six months. Yes, you'll have your fundamental things, but everything else is like what is current and what is working now. The way we market today is going to be very different than how we market in three months, six months, nine months, right? So I would just consume and consume and consume. And then how our worlds collided was because I finally decided to take a bet on myself. And it was like, how do you continue to create opportunities for you yourself to learn and not be like, entitled to feeling like you deserve all the reward without actually knowing what you're creating? Mm, yeah, that really rings true to me, because I feel like I, I've done the same in education, like not in marketing or production. But there are so many things that I had done at either free or very low pay, but it got me into the rooms to meet the right people at the right time. And I've grown from that. And I've really struggled with that because so much, especially just being, you know, and having immigrant parents, like so much of my life was like validating myself through my career and my net worth that like, no, look, ma, I made it because I'm like a lawyer or a doctor Mm -hmm. or I have this degree, etc. So it was sometimes really difficult to 
vouch for myself or like to to validate myself that it's okay to do this free work because I'm investing in myself. And I think it was like, Anna, you can add another layer of why it was so difficult because the norm was to spend so much time with your family, like especially when you have children and I have three. And so if you're taking any time away from it, it has to be compensated, like and in a way that other people can understand. And so I had to really fight within myself to understand and like, no, there is a craft I want to learn here. And that craft for me, like at the time was an educator. And now I would say like, it's even like a connector and a communicator, but really to believe in myself that much that, you know, I'm going to do this. And it has opened so many doors, right? But that's something you can't really, it's not tangible. Like it's really hard to explain it's not, to someone. It, it, it's tangible over time. And like so two things that you said in there. So it's like, you know, the doctor, lawyer, engineer, right? I was somebody who was never attracted to either of those, any of those. And then I didn't have a parent who was like, my mom actually told me when I graduated high school, she's like, you're so artistic, you should go to like, like go to a design school or something like that. I'm like, mom, that doesn't make any money. Because I was indoctrinated with all of the thoughts of our community at that time, Mm -hmm. because I never saw any leaders in that space. And so you think that it's all of the pressure that certain people around you are putting into you, but it's also sometimes your own misbeliefs of like, hey, like if I'm not capable of these three things that you think Mm -hmm. that I should do, then I'm not capable of anything. And that's the ethos that I used to run from is I'm not capable of anything. Why would I try anything? And it was until like I started to break that apart and break that mm-hmm. down What where the, the light could even shine through and be like, ooh, maybe you kind of like this. Ooh, maybe you kind of like that. You've always, I used to walk around with a microphone and interview everybody in my house when I was a kid. But it was like almost that. like I didn't <laughs> have that memory, you know, because I just didn't invest in it. That's so interesting. I mean, one, as a parent, I see my youngest daughter, Elisa, she is a natural entertainer. She goes around like my podcast mic. Half the time it's unplugged and in the living room because she <laughs> like, you know, sings, she performs, she sings in the car. She she loves it. And so it's really interesting. Like, I wonder, like, by the time she grows up or like when she's in her late teenage or adulthood years, if this is going to be a passion that she comes back to. And, you know, the other thing is like, you have so many passions. How did like... Because I remember you as a Surrey, when I met you, you were a reporter for a journalist for Surrey 604. Mm-hmm. That's my first memory of you. Mm-hmm. And in the next few years, then I saw you do marketing, so many different types of marketing and then production. And but still and, and an artist as well. Like I remember you submitting your artwork to I think it was at 5X, right? I remember Marcus? that. It wasn't 5X. It was something else. But yeah, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I don't even remember the artist thing, but my first business was creating jackets that were hand painted. Yes, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. <laughs> that's so funny. You know, the, that's also such a good lesson because that lesson, for instance, I loved art and art was one of those things that has helped me. Like I've always suffered as a young person, I had really bad anxiety. I was super susceptible to super depressive episodes. And like artwork was something that really helped me get out of those spaces or helped me at least process them, like my energy in those spaces. And when I had made that my first business, I was like hating it. I was painting for 14 hours and I'm like, the thing that I'm interested in is how do I make this Shopify set website work? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's just like, it was tough because it took away this initial love that like should just stay what it is, but it also illuminated another love. So like when you and I had first met, I'll share the story is like, you know, I was working as a journalist for Surrey 604. And I had been doing that because I wanted to get invited to the party for free. I was like, how do I go to different places for free? Because I can't afford the tickets right now. So like, I'll write about the events and I'll go and I get to meet these people, but I also get just more exposure. So that's something I think was always innate, like exposure equals a lot of illumination. And so I was filming this event, uh, sorry, I was writing about this event that you were doing, digital storytelling. And I remember this image so clearly about how you're walking the stage and your two kids at the time were following you. And then your husband is like trying to capture them. And I looked at you and I was just like, I want to learn from this woman because I want to have a family and I want to have a very big career, you know? And so I was like, how do I learn from somebody who's happy? How do I learn from somebody who has both? 
And how did they make it work? And how can I understand the ecosystem that they're working from? Because I don't have anyone in my life who's working from this ecosystem. And so that was my initial introduction to you. But then it was, you know, in between on the back end, there was all this self-development work, all this worthiness work that was going on, where I was like, you know what, like I, this woman has this beautiful, cool ass business, and I can make it 10x cooler. So why don't I create a contract, give it to her and see if she wants to hire me, and we can make something magical together. And so that moment was so important for me because I feel like that marks in the sand the actual moment I became an entrepreneur. Mm, I love that. And I feel so privileged to, you know, be part of your entrepreneurship and like your journey in life. And it's amazing how sometimes we don't realize how we're being affected and how we affect other people because there's so many things that I have learned from you is like since the moment that I met you, I have admired and respected you. But my respect for you has just grown through the years because I've seen you put in so much work into your craft, into your identity, into how you show up in the world and literally build your legacy. And, you know, we should probably share the cheese story, but like, I really do love you. And I like, I've learned to pay attention. (laughs) And this cheese story is so funny because I'm not a details person. And like, a lot of times I only see big picture things. And it's really hard for me to like, focus on like, on details. And so I think Suman told me, I don't know, like at least three times that she does not eat cheese. And at that time, I was living at my I was in between houses and we were staying with my mom for a little bit. And she came over to my mom's house and we were working on something for work marketing about something. And I kept offering her a cheese platter. I think it happened like, you know, three times. And I was just like, get it together. This woman does not eat cheese. She's taking care of her health. And like now I know you don't eat cheese. You don't eat dairy and you don't eat tomatoes. You know what? I feel like you and I were brought into each other's life to learn a lot of like hard and soft lessons together because the first time I met you, okay, so after the Kwantlen night where I originally was like, I need to know this woman, like a few few hangouts later, like you're like, okay, come to my house. And then we're driving to your house. And I was like, yeah, but like, I hate those live, love, laugh bitches. (laughs) I get into your house and this woman has live, love, laugh plastered on her wall. And I'm just like, what? wanted to crawl into a hole and die. (laughs) (laughs) But then I was like, at least I was honest. (laughs) That's one thing I love about you the most is that you are so honest. And because like I'm friends with you for so many different reasons. But one of the reasons is I love growing and I love that you love growing. And Mm. I don't know how people in relationships grow when they can't be honest with each other. Like it blows my mind. Like, how would you grow if you're all, everyone's just like, you're awesome. But like, you know, it's like inside you're like, she should be doing that differently. (laughs) Or like, how can we look at that differently? Yeah. When you have real friends, this is what I think is like, I think Big Sean says this in a song. He's just like, I like people who talk good behind my back and like bad to my face. And so the thing is, is this like, If I had something to say where one, I can contribute to you and your success, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it, right? But then two, if you have spinach in your teeth, I'm going to let you know. If I think that you're being unkind, I'm going to let you know. Because at the end of the day, like, I hope that you do that for me. And you have to be very Mm -hmm. careful with who you do that with because there has to be people in your life who want to see you excel and succeed just because they want to see you excel and succeed, not because they are ruminating and envy or jealousy with you or want to hurt you it has to Mm -hmm. always be to support you and grow you yeah a hundred percent and I think you know when you're with someone that you feel like there's a mutual love for each other that you want to see each other grow and even at times when like you grow like their growth might not necessarily mean that they're going to be with you and I remember like there was like a whole time where I was working so closely with you and you know I was like from the the times when my mom would be like oh my god like my mom was there like when Suman and I first met for everyone listening and so we'd have all these meetings at my house where I'd keep feeding her like dairy filled jaw and cheese platters. Right? And so we'd have these like kitchen table meetings about marketing. And my mom would be watching in the next room. It's like a shared space, like a Indian soap opera. And the whole time she'd be eavesdropping on our conversation. Right. So as soon as Suman would think, she's like, wow, Suman is so smart. She's going places. Like, you know, she's like, she was just like, so she admired your hustle so much because there's not a lot of young people in her life that 
she sees so invested in their development and like being able to comprehend a topic and then just like keep going at it, keep trying, like, you know, in so many different ways. So, you know, it's I love your mom, honestly. <laughs> and, and and that's the thing is, it's like, you know, we were talking about this, uh, like a different time, but it was just like, you don't always know who are the people that are actually inspiring you to keep inspiring yourself. And like somebody like your mom inspires me beyond measure. Like, I know that her belief in me and like the, sm- the smiles that I get from her of pride. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I have to fucking work for that. Okay. I have to work for that. I can't just wake up and have her feel that great, like, like that passionate about my success. And so I, I love that. Like I, like my best friend's mom, she always says like your mini Oprah, but it's like, because of her belief in me, it's like yeah. pushed me to continue being that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it just, it makes such a difference for, to know that other people have your back. But I think the biggest takeaway I've learned is you have to have your own back. You have to be your own best friend. You have to really believe in yourself. But there are so many low times in our lives where like you just can't because you're human. And like the love and the admiration or, you know, just support from other humans really sometimes is what carries you through that. It's, um, you know, I th- I'm thinking of something my mom says that is really to do with sales. But she has all these different types of like uh, products in her store. And sometimes like, you know, we try to convince her like, why don't you just keep like your niche, uh, your the product that sells the most, your best sellers, right? And she's like, it doesn't work like that in life. Like you have to have a little bit of everything because there are days where no one's coming in to buy like a gala type outfit or like that main type of, sorry, sometimes people come in to just buy one hijab from her. And like, those are the sales that carry through. And so she, in a weird way, like it's about sales, but it's really taught me to diversify everything that I invest in, in myself, right? So there's things that I invest in myself in different ways. And like that, these are the main things. And there's all these little things because you have so many different types of days. And so, yeah, you know what? I'm not hundred percent sure where I was going with this example, but it just what you said made me think of that. Yeah, no, it's, it's not looking to... Okay, so for instance, I think how I kind of digest that is like, I could mm-hmm. look to you as the person who I want Aisha to look at me and be proud of me. But I could also look to your mom and be grateful that that's where I'm actually receiving it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get that. And, you know, one thing that I mean, we've talked so much about like, how much work you've done in the world in terms of marketing and production. But one thing I want to share with everyone, like, I know all the jobs that you've had, because I've known you for so many years now but there's like a big shift that happened when you started exo and hustle and started working for self-hired and how you even worked up in the self-hired to the position you're in now um, and with making identity of wellness so looking back you know what was the shift and like in each of those things what do you do like if and in coaching right like those are the the four big things that you're kind of that's on your plate right now that you're working on is that would that be correct Yeah, totally. I think that like, I'm like trying to think, how do I answer this question? What is the question? So first, maybe we should let's just break that up. I should ask you, like, can you explain to everyone what you do in all of those four different spaces? Like, what does that mean? Because I feel like a lot of people don't even know what a coach is or like, what is a, a producer? Yeah, for sure. A producer is somebody who, you know, you're kind of at the top end of the project, right? You're working with a client or working with an idea. And then you have all of your creatives that you're working with and in partnership with to bring this idea together. And so my project scope and production that I absolutely love is like video production, podcast production, brand photography. That is like something that I feel like the production world is somewhere I feel like you can exert like both your love for project management, but then also mm-hmm. your absolute love for creativity, which is I feel like the perfect marriage for me. And then with coaching, coaching is such a, such a great opportunity for people to be able to have a think partner, to have a mirror, to have somebody to help them like organize the diversity of their thoughts and help push them forward in life. So it's like, how do you take your big idea and make it a reality? Having a coach mm-hmm. with you is something that really helps you work through the limiting beliefs, those mindsets, and all those little nitty gritty things that are standing in your way between you and the next level or the next evolution of yourself. And yeah, like the mindfulness deck, it's it's interesting that you bring that up. Like the mindfulness deck was a project that I created in 2020. 
And it was derived from the pursuit of loving tarot. But I didn't love tarot necessarily in like the way maybe a lot of people love it. I loved tarot as something that was a wisdom, just like a, I love tarot because it was just full of so much wisdom and it was full of so much philosophy. It was full of so many lessons and ways to look at lessons. And so I had learned and gained so much from this like philosophy that I wanted to be able to contribute it to others, but I wanted to ground it. I wanted it to be something that people could understand. And I wanted to create a tool where people could who maybe they didn't invest Mm -hmm. in their wellness too much. How can I learn about mindfulness concepts? How can I learn about wellness practices? How can I learn about the philosophy of the mind? And so I had created this 50, actually, I was dreaming at the time. Like I was Mm -hmm. literally sleeping and I would see all of these images in my mind. And I'm going to just share the story of the deck now, if that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So when it was 2020, just before that time, I had actually had this huge, like, earth shattering, like my life will never be the same moment that had nothing to do with the pandemic. And it was a time where I felt like I all of this illusion around me just shattered. And I had to learn how to pick up the pieces while not changing my ecosystem. And so I am somebody who has had a lot of anxiety as a young person, a lot of depressive episodes as a young person. And so I started to sink into a depression. But at this time, I was like, I am, I know too much at this point. I know too much on how to take care of myself that I'm not actually in application of those things. I'm just in desire of those. Oh, I want to meditate every day. I want to do this, these different things. And so I wrote a list and I stopped at 53. And at 53, I wrote 53 different ways that I could take care of myself. So it was a very selfish endeavor. I didn't even, I had no idea that I was going to make this into a deck later on. And so, as I said, I had all this love and all these things for tarot and oracle in the background. But then as I would start to sleep, I would start to see all these images come up in my mind. And I'm just like, what the hell is this? And I would start to get these inklings of like, I need to create this. So I started drawing on on paper. And I was just like, oh, this is the image that I would put with this one. This is the image that like walking meditation, walking meditation is one of my favorite things to do. Everyone thinks you need to meditate with your legs crossed and your hands in the air. But it's like, you could just go for a walk. And that's meditating, you know. And so I started making all these images. And that's when I was like, hey, like, let's start figuring out how much would this cost if I made this into a product. And I was obsessed with like, like you said, like prior to that, I was working for a lot of different marketing companies. And I was obsessed with like, how do you make these cool things? And like, what's your value proposition? If it was made in Canada, would you spend more like all these things? And I was just, I was so interested in learning that Mm -hmm. I just felt like face forward into it. A good friend of mine was an incredible illustrator. And so she helped me take all my sketches and like make them into a reality. I wanted it Mm -hmm. to reflect something that Patero at that time was just like, it didn't have any people of color. It didn't have any women. It didn't have diverse bodies. And so I wanted to create a world that I see when I go and walk on the streets of Vancouver. I can tell you the difference between a Filipino girl, a Japanese girl, a Hindu girl, a Punjabi girl. And I wanted to show that with the undertone of like, how do I support my young sisters and teaching them about wellness. And so that's how the mindfulness deck was created. But like two years after that, the reason I bring that up is because two years after that, it had served its purpose. And I realized Mm -hmm. I was like, this isn't serving me anymore. And I want to be in service in a different way. And so it's also being a good quitter and knowing Mm -hmm. when to pivot. I love that. It's so important to know when to let something go, right? I mean, I don't know how I feel about the word quitter. And that just might be like my own thing on like, there's so many negative connotations around like quitting or, you know, letting yourself down or letting other people down that I've worked through. But I definitely think an important thing is knowing when to let someone or something or some version of yourself go and that is maybe one of the most important things, you know, I've learned. And it's so interesting to see all the different patterns within you, like as an artist, like we've woven through, like, Mm -hmm. literally the mindfulness deck, everything you do with self hired, whether it's a commercial for Dankmark or Nemesis, or like, you know, identity of wellness, a full on production of a documentary. And even with like coaching, how you present yourself and like your stories on Instagram, etc., Even that I see as like an art form of like how you express yourself and reflecting back at you, like three really core themes, I would say, like 
of like Sum and Candola is one is art, like, you know, being able to artistically express yourself or ideas, other people's ideas. And the other is communication. Like you're so good at communicating and I've seen you evolve. I've seen you practice communicating, which is really cool. <laughs> you really have. You really have. And you know, like be, if you asked my best friend, like, yeah. hey, what is Suman's biggest goal in the world? It's to be, I, my, I always tell her, I'm like, my biggest goal in the world is to be the best communicator. And mm-hmm. the medium as per which I communicate may change, but mm-hmm. I really, really strive to be a good communicator. And I think that's because as a young person, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I had a voice where I felt powerful in it or strong in it. And what I mean is not powerful, like rah, rah. I'm the loudest person in the room, powerful in the mean, in the sense of like, I said what I said, and I'm going to hold mm-hmm. myself in myself as I say that. And mm-hmm. your reaction does not impact what I said, what I said. That's really powerful. I think, you know, the other day I was listening to something that said the opposite of that as well. Like, you know, I said what I said, and like, I meant it to also on the flip side of I was wrong mm-hmm. and I've changed. Right. And I think it's so important to own both. And to be able, yeah, I think it's one of the most important things we can do as we we grow up and like we're in our early 30s. Well, I'm I'm like late 30s now, but I think in your 30s, this is one of the most important things you can learn, like how to own both simultaneously. And then also sometimes when like you, you have to go with one, you have to, you know, learn to embody one or the other. And there it's just sometimes it, it does become complex. But bef- I don't want to get too deep into that. I want to mention like the just third. Oh, one. Sorry, yeah. last thing on that is this like, even that I said what I said, and like, I'm standing true in that it doesn't always mean like you're holding your like, I don't know why I want to say like, you're holding your balls to it. But it's mm-hmm. like, if you then yeah. respond to me, or you reflect to me like, hey, yeah, you said what you said, your intention may have been x, but this is how it impacted me. It's also standing Mm. strong and truthfully in your own being and creating enough space that like, hey, like, how did that impact somebody? But like not allowing yourself worth to be challenged because of it, but allowing yourself to grow because of it. Yeah, you're going to have to repeat that one more time as it's sinking in, because I think this is a real nugget here. Can you say that one more time for everyone? Yeah, like, I think that like, when I say like, I said what I said, what I mean there is like, I said what I said, and I'm going to back myself with it. But then even as you receive feedback, and if it if that feedback mm-hmm. is encouraging you to shift, and you may truly shift, right? Mm-hmm. It's owning the shift, it's owning like the transition from where you were to where you're going. And it's not hating yourself in the process. It's not compromising your self worth. It's just mm-hmm. it's having the confidence to be like, okay, I receive what you're saying. Totally. I didn't see it that way. You know what I mean? I'm moving yeah. forward. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that takes so much. I don't know if it's, it's time, but just like no experience, right? Experience Experience. of being yourself of how to make that shift without hating yourself, like being okay with it, like receiving that. And I was talking to Mohammed about something that you shared. And I was like, I think you could use a little bit of Suman's wisdom here. (laughs) And it was, you know, you shared something on Instagram, maybe a couple of weeks ago, about, or I think it's on your coach with Suman page, but Really, a friend had told you that it's even though you didn't intend to hurt me, you're what you did hurt me, right? Mm-hmm. And like understanding the nuances between how you can go through a whole interaction with someone without self-defense, but also like owning how you felt, what you did, and like, you know, it just taking all of the the self-hate out of it to just go through the whole process with love is very different. Compassion. Exactly. With, yeah. Yeah. Compassion for yourself, compassion with others. And, you know, just like going back a couple minutes ago, I was talking about like the three themes that I see throughout your life and your identity is one is art, like being an artist, and then also being like a a great communicator. And the third is wellness, like you embody wellness to me. And I think it's, you know, from so many times when we go out for to events, I will have I always say like, I'm not gonna have the cheese. And then I will something has cheese in it. I, I will still have it, right? I'm like, Oh, it's already in there. Like, whatever. Right? But yeah. you're like, No, no, please. Like, you'll slow things down. And you'll ask like, can you confirm if this has cheese or dairy or tomatoes or whatnot? And then you'll just, you know, if it doesn't work for you, you really slow down and hold true to your wellness and say, I'm not gonna have that. I'll just have water things or I'll just have, you know, whatever it is. 
And I really admire that because that's not everyone can do that. I think all of us want to be healthy and all of us want to nourish our body and mind, but it's an investment that not many of us know how to make or are willing to make. And so can you like walk us through like, what is your day like, like a day in the life of Suma, Suman Kandola? Yeah, well, okay. So one thing to that, like that whole, like where you're not stretching for your wellness and your wellness isn't stretching for you. It's like actually a part of you that takes time. So like going into a space and it's so funny. I don't eat cheese because I'm allergic to it. I hope you know that. <laughs> Not just because I don't want to, but, but but I say that because it's like, you know, there are things where it's like bread, for instance, will give me a total tummy ache. And sometimes I will like choose to eat some types of breads because I'm like, I'm here and there's sourdough and I will take this tummy ache on which is not like the best health and wellness advice. But my whole thing is like, how do I be the best self 80% of the time and 20% of the time, I'm just human, you know? But wellness is what, like a day-to-day life for Sue is like in the morning, I have my baby bliss time. I know it's hilarious. The guys laugh at me, but it's like from five to 10, I have it blocked out of my calendar. And then from 8 p.m. onwards, I have it blocked out of my calendar so no one could call me. No one could like when when it comes to work, when no one could call me or expect anything of me in those mm-hmm. time frames because that's the time that I'm taking care of myself and I'm pouring into myself. And that's the consistency that I offer myself because every day I couldn't tell you what I do every day. It may be one day it's I'm on a shoot. Maybe one day I'm coaching clients all day. Maybe one day I'm in the office. Maybe one day I'm out trying to find props like I don't know what I'm doing and I love that, but that those morning markers and evening markers offer me that sense of consistency and control that I think that I really need. A hundred percent. And like, I know this because, you know, every time we have a conversation or an event planned, you send me calendar invites. So I know you're talking about in your calendar. And when you say the guys, you mean your team, like the Kevins and Mike at self-hired. Yes. And it's so important to communicate to the people that you like you live with and not just for work I think sometimes we communicate so well for with people we work with but our family and our friends we forget to and so like one thing I've learned from you and I used to laugh at you whenever you send me a calendar invite for like a phone call and but I always like you know I admired and respected that but it moved from like just like thinking huh that's cute to wow there is no other way to do this like you know I have a lot of respect for all the little things that you do, because you intentionally build in all these mechanisms to build a life of your dreams. And so with um, my husband, Mohammed and I, we have calendar invites. And like, through this conversation, I just saw he sent me a calendar invite, he has a car appointment. But it's so otherwise, we have so many things, we have three kids, and they have so many things. Your life is busy. Yeah. It's yeah. it's busy and you know it's so important to put in actual like use mechanisms like we live in the, the digital age there's Google Calendar is free there's absolutely no reason for people to not use the tools that they have available to make their life more productive and it I think when people think wellness they they wouldn't intuitively think um Google Calendar like setting time aside and like well, can, can I expand on that a bit Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I agree with you. There's when you think wellness, you think of, oh, I'm quiet and I'm zen and I'm soft spoken. Yo, I'm fucking crazy. All right. I am not that zen little bitch that you see on Instagram. Okay. So I need true, like functional, structural things in my life that help me move through those things. And so like, Mm -hmm. I eat calendars. It's like, one, that's actually something that I learned from my first coach when I was doing a time audit. And I shared this with you previously, but it's like, you know, I had a friend, a friend who doesn't live on the mainland who has said to me, she's like, I can't believe you have to send me a calendar invite for our calls. Like, it's just, I think people, they are so pathetic. They can't even remember what they're doing. And I just offered her so much compassion in that moment because I was just like, to you, it's like crazy and erratic that I'm sending you a calendar invite. To me, me sending you a calendar invite is, hey, I am committing to you. I'm honoring the commitment that we said that we are going to make together. And I hope you know that I am taking time out of my busy and ambitious life to 
make time for you because I value you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's all in how you look at something. Yeah, that's so true. And I think maybe we should share with the audience, we've both lived on Vancouver Island. And so I think, you know, before I moved there, it was very hard for me to understand how someone would even think like that. And I think for someone who's never lived on the mainland, it's probably crazy. It is probably crazy to them. But if you live in Metro Vancouver, it's because you love the hustle and the bustle. You like being busy, you like creating things, right? You like the pace of life. And it's just something that I think it's so important is to really be conscious, like consciously be like, yeah, I like being this busy. And this is how I'm going to be well while I'm being busy. And this Mm. is like a tool that I'm going to use. But I know you have so many other little things that you do throughout a di- throughout the day, aside from setting time aside in your calendar so you can communicate your priority of wellness with everyone else that your life intersects with. Um, but, it, you know, if you could give two other tips, like top tips of if someone, anyone listening wants to make that change for themselves, what's the top three habits that were game changers for you that they could try for themselves? Mm. Good question. I think one of the like the one that pops into my mind first and foremost is habit hacking. And so habit hacking is like, how do you make your habits easier for you? You know what I mean? I put mm-hmm. my I, I sorry, I put my magnesium in my bathroom. I put my fiber beside my Nespresso. I habit hack the things that I need to do and want to do that are a little bit challenging for me so that I make it easier for it to become a part of my natural day ecosystem. Tip number two would be knowing yourself. Honestly, I think that's the hardest part is like knowing yourself and knowing what your intention is, right? So one of my favorite stories that I've shared on my Instagram, and I know I've shared it with you is before as well, is like, you know, every morning I post that I go to the gym and this one woman messages me and she's just like, hey, I wish like, and I got this message in so many different forms, but this one woman, she messages me and she's just like, I wish I could wake up and go to the gym every day too. And I just was at this point where I was like, I was ready to reply. And I was like, why? Right. I was like, why? She's like, because it's like so good to have a routine. And I was like, okay, so why don't you tell me when you've had like a really great day, how did your morning start that day? She's like, well, honestly, it's like, I have some hot tea, I sit with a novel, it has nothing to do with the world. It's just fantasy and enjoyment and romance. And I was like, well, why don't you do that? And she was flabbergasted. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, it's not productive. I'm like, but it's productive for you. For me, Mm -hmm. like even earlier in this conversation, I was saying like, I have a lot of energy going to the gym first thing in the morning is very helpful for me to manage my own energy. I have hormonal imbalances. So going to the gym and helping myself build my own serotonin is very valuable for me. The third part of that value, yes, it's physically healthy for me. But Mm -hmm. it's for my hormones and for my mental tenacity, first and foremost. So it's like, whatever builds your best self do that. Don't try to go copy people and like figure out what actually works for you. And the only way you're going to figure that out is by trying, right? You got to try different things. You got to fail and you got to fail forward. A hundred percent. I love that. Like failing forward. And also I think it's, you know, it's so important to share what you do because you never know who you're inspiring. You know, I didn't know you also walk along water in the morning. And that's something I was like, what? She does this too. And because it, it, it didn't, like actually come up in conversation Mm. too many times. And then I noticed like there was times where like you were in Vancouver, I was on the island, but like, you know, we had something that we shared was like, we both morning people and we both like water and maybe it's like the Scorpio in us, but there's just some uh, magnetism there towards the ocean. But you know, one, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And you know, but one thing I don't share with you is like, I, I don't like working out. It's something I have to really push myself to. And it's not until like, you know, we had this conversation and you're like, well, do you really want to work out? And like, be like, actually, no, (laughs) I don't want to work out. And then shifting from like what you don't want to do to what do you want to do? Like you said, And I was like, I love walks. So, you know, I no longer live right beside the water. But every morning, I like you don't have to give me any motivation. I don't even need an alarm, actually. I naturally wake up between 5 and 6 a.m. every morning without any alarm. And I, you know, make my coffee at home now. 
and uh, just, you know, head out the door. And that's like my mean time. Like my bliss baby time is uh, from bliss baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put it in my calendar too. (laughs) Communicate to moan the kids. Do not disturb. (laughs) And understanding like, you know, I go out for my walk. I do the same routine every morning. And then, you know, really what I, I heard from you right now that was like a huge aha is that's productive for me. Maybe that's not productive for society, but I know that once I have my walk, it's meditative for me. It's good for my wellness in so many different ways. And like, you know, and I walk through that door between 7 and 7.15 a.m. every day and I'm ready to go. I make the lunches, you know, wake the kids up, I convince them that today they got to go to school. <laughs> and you know but doesn't that don't you see how that pouring into yourself gives you the capacity to pour then into your children to pour then into your husband into your day it's like you can't Mm -hmm. pour from an empty cup and that's something that I really I it took me so much time to learn as many lessons do and it's like Mm -hmm. learning it is one thing practicing it is the practice of wisdom right Mm -hmm. knowledge is nothing unless it's practice and it's just like when I started to actually recognize that, hey, if I show up to everything and I'm just giving, 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 then I yeah. am not really living a worthy life. Like I'm not giving mm-hmm. to myself. I'm not, I'm not even able to like accept or receive what I need out of that day. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, you know, to touch on one more thing that you said there before I forget is that you have to fail forward, right? And I think, you know, a lot of times, like we, everyone that I know is like, if you ask them, do you want to be healthier? They'd be like, yeah, I want to be healthier. I want to be more well, right? But then switching that want into practicing, I feel like, and, you know, let me know if you've, if you've found this to be true, is like, most people are scared of practicing because they're scared of failure. This like fear of failing that like, what if I put the magnesium in my bathroom, and then I still don't take it keeps them or like perfection, like the perfection and and failure, the fear of failure, are like two of the biggest things that like keep you from moving forward. And I think like, you know, your legacy, like, I think it's so much of growth. I've seen you become so many versions of yourself and like just grow higher and higher because you are not afraid of failure. And I have seen that in like so many different aspects of your life that you will go and practice things because you're not scared of failing, you know, whether it's saying something on your Instagram story or whatnot, you're just that that fear is maybe there, but you work through it every time. It's there, but it's in the back seat. I believe it was Glennon Doyle or somebody. Oh, I will tell you so you can put it in the show notes, but there's mm-hmm. this great book. Actually, I didn't like love the book, but I liked the first two chapters and it was in the first two chapters. And she talks about how you- Is it a sparkly get... book? I think it's I have it. It's a sparkly it. book. Ugh, it was yeah. it was not my vibe. It was too much untamed. teaching It's untamed, Yeah, yeah. Right? No, 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 not, it's not. An, untamed is incredible. Oh my God. This is a different book, but I, I'll tell you what it is. It's also sparkly, okay. but- um. It's not Glennon Doyle. But anyways, it was saying about how you will never lose fear, but don't mm-hmm. let fear drive the car. Put fear in the backseat. Because mm. the truth is, putting the magnesium in my bathroom, it didn't really work. So I put the magnesium <laughs> right back to my kitchen where I go get my water at the end of the day. And that actually started working. And then what I did was I was like, what if I didn't do that? And the magnesium, especially since I'm working out super hard right now, is like, I need that for my muscles, is I split the bottle into two. And then I put the other bottle where I put my water in my bedroom. Because I am committed to the magnesium, okay? (laughs) I love you so much for sharing that because I also had the same struggle. So I put some in my car. I put the whole bottle in my car. Wasn't working because I was working at Air Canada when I started taking magnesium. So I was like, oh, I I work these long night shifts and I can't sleep. So I'll put some, I'll have it on my car ride home and then go to sleep. It didn't work, right? Now I don't work there anymore. I don't work these night shifts there anymore anyways. But then I moved it to my night side table. Then I moved it to my bathroom. Now it's back in my pantry. And so I'm so glad I'm not the only crazy person. You got it. doesn't make you crazy. It makes you a person who's trying. You got to try. so hard. 
that's that's what I actually think like prevents people from doing things is the whole idea that trying is so hard and I'm sorry that's what makes you freaking legendary because if everybody was doing it then a hundred percent okay one (laughs) this is not like a total tangent but I have to mention it here trying hard I think that scares people so to everyone assuming you know my husband well so in our relationship, our dynamic is I'm the nerd and he's the jock, right? He is, he has just natural swagger. My do- oldest daughter, Mira, has it. And one thing I have heard him say, and like, and I just know that I swear he thinks trying hard is not cool. And I'm such a try hard, like I will try my hard out. And that's why I'm always so successful in things is because I'm not scared of trying hard. And I think like, you know, everyone's so different. So there might be a portion of people listening today that are just like, you know, just naturally they think they're so cool because they don't try hard but try I've never known anyone who is not willing to try hard and to like fail publicly that has had like a lot of success in that area like you have to try hard that is the cost of success failing publicly or failing over and over again is the cost eventually we're going to nail the magnesium because we kept trying you know <laughs> exactly a winner is just a loser who tried one more time and it's also like a, something in there like you use the word success and the word success yeah. is something that's been like jumbling around in my brain quite a bit lately and it's like success doesn't have to mean what society told you success is mm. so just as we return back to the morning routine right what is success to you Because success to me is going to look very different than what success looks like to you. That is so true. And you know what? Honestly, that like brings me back full circle to like the whole point of this podcast is my whole life. I thought success was to have a like a, a reputable job. So to have a PhD and work as a professor. And I hit that goal. Well, I didn't get my PhD, but I started teaching at a university in my early 30s with three kids. And like my whole life, that was my dream. Like I thought like once I have that, that's it. My whole life was like centered around achievement, right? And success. Mm -hmm. And then in 2020, my grandfather passed away, who is my legacy role model, as well as Dr. Katie Warfield, who you, you know well, or knew well, because she passed away as well. And she was about 42 when she passed away. And, you know, she was my career mentor. She had her PhD, she had kids, a family, and she taught and she was an amazing professor. And then it just kind of dawned on me like so much of achievement and success is actually for other people we think it's for us but it's so other people think we're you know good enough and so I had to do a lot of work to shift from actually I do love teaching but being a professor with a PhD is no longer my success goal my success goal is really not a success well it can be it's really legacy right like I want to live a life very similar to my grandfather and and when I you know in three ways that he did that. He he was there for his family. He took care of everyone. He loved everyone. He was compassionate. He gave back to the community and really invested where he lived in. And he was really committed to his profession, like professional excellence. And so now I've like totally restructured my whole life. It's not about achievement and success. It's about legacy. And I really want to really differentiate that so much of legacy building is authentic when it's for you. It's for your soul. It's for knowing that like, you know, you you came. Remember that Beyonce song, I Was Here, that I used to play yeah. all the time? Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's it's that song embodied in your life. I want to know that I was here. And I don't even care now if other people know. But I want to know I was here. And one thing I'm really good at doing is connecting people and building a network. And so I was like, this podcast is such a great way to build that legacy and really connect other people who are building legacies. 100%. And like, legacy shifts and changes over time I think that like Mm -hmm. Katie was so young and it's like if she she her legacy was probably so different at different eras of her life and I know that my legacy right now is different than your legacy you know and it's like it's not just even in the execution of what that legacy is but in the comprehension of what that legacy means and so You know, as you say that, like, I love that. But a lot of what you're saying, even about your grandfather is like, very aligned with me of like, my legacy is like going right back to that girl who was at that telemarketing company, and she desperately wanted to go on vacation. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I want to build a legacy where I wake up every day and I want to live my life. Mm -hmm. Where everyone that I interact with knows the true and real me. 
you know, like the people who are actually in my core and like where I get to live a life where I feel truly expressed. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. it's coming from a very me centric place right now versus yours may come from a more, more giving centric place, right? Mm -hmm. Just considering like you have children, you, you have a husband, you're also the way that you're contributing to the world is just a little bit different, right? So it's like, I think legacy over time changes. And that's what I think is so cool about this podcast, because you're going to catch people in so many different pockets of their life. Like I can come back to this show in a hundred episodes and be Mm -hmm. like, well, this is what my legacy is today. And so even you saying like, Hey, like I've met so many different versions of you and your growth. Like, I love that. I love that, you know, different Mm -hmm. versions of me. Yeah, I do love so many, like, you know, all of the versions of you. And I would say like right now, one thing that I see as your legacy, and this is like what I see is the identity of wellness, you've really embodied it, like, you know, really committing to a legacy of growth. Would you say you learned, like, do you have a legacy role model and someone in particular that you learned that from or a couple different people? Mm, That's a cool question. I don't mean this in a way where it's like, See, the, the lower self wants to be like, it, mm-hmm. is it egotistical to feel like I don't have somebody who is a legacy role model? But then the higher self of me is I feel like I there's so many people who I admire, but I don't want to be them. And I think that that has been such a cool lesson for me because it's so satiating to admire people and to honor them for who they are and what their legacy is. But where I'm at now is like, what is my legacy? and What is my truth? And how do I sink into that? So I think my mentors shift and change over time. But I would mm-hmm. say the biggest contributing factor is as a young person, I've lost a lot of people in my life. And I know that I made it to this age and a lot of my friends haven't. And so I feel like I'm living for them as well, right? Like I, I got to wake up today. And so that's a huge ass blessing. And I hope that I live in contribution to the world and the society around me that I can impact. Mm, I, I really love that. I think, you know, you hit the nail on its head. It's really important to be able to appreciate someone and look at them and and be in awe of them without wanting to become them completely like you know to also have space for yourself and and to be in awe of who you want to become that's so true you know there's so many people that come to my mind not so many to be honest like if you ask me like who do you look up to like my my grandfather and Katie uh, come to my mind so does I had an amazing professor at UBC Simi Ghazi I really like the way she lives her life right now and the legacy that she built but I, I can clearly tell you that my legacy is different and it doesn't take away from any of these people's legacies that our legacy is different but who would be five people in your industry and I mean, you're a multi-passionate, multi-talented person. So you, you obviously that goes across different industries. But who would you see as five people that are currently creating or living their legacies? Or maybe they have already created their legacies and why? Like five individuals. Yeah, I think uh, I deeply admire my business partners. I feel like Kevin Wong and Michael Smale are like incredible human beings. I really love Deborah Richardson because she is a seasoned individual who is living her best life and is always traveling and is vivacious and courageous. And I just admire that. She's one of the reasons why I feel like so intrigued in like living a life that I love because like as an older person I feel like she is somebody who really loves her life I definitely love and admire you and I think that I've seen you go through so many shifts in your life where it's like ah it's rocky and then it's like okay I got it it's smooth now (laughs) you know and it's just like how you sustain the rockiness constantly gets better with time and I think that that's so admirable to watch and witness because it just it's nice to be around humans that are not afraid of being human, you know, and fifth and foremost, like the fifth and probably most is like my mom. And my mom Mm -hmm. is like one of those people who has constantly continued to inspire me like she is going to school, she's always learning new things. She's always trying to be the better version of herself, even if it takes her time. And it's just like, I admire that. Yeah, I I feel you. I've met actually, I've met all of the people that you just mentioned, right? So I can genuinely say that all four of them are amazing people. And your mom has so much strength in her, even when like, you know, I ran into her the other day. I love the way she carries herself, you know, it's such an elegant energy. And I'll just it's share so funny because the story. way that she told me that story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What like, did she say? 
was so expansive. Oh yeah, hello, how are you? And I'm like, I know she was standing there like this with her arms together and being like, hello, Aisha. <laughs> but my mom is like, she loved it. She's like, I'm so happy that she said hi. So it's like, I also love that like the people in my life know my mom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I think it's so important. And I love that, you know, my mom, like, it, yeah. I, I love that people know my, everyone that works with me knows my children. I don't know how you could work with me and not know my family. Like, yeah. And I think it gives so much insight into who, who you are when you meet someone's mom. And, and you know what, I'm just gonna end on this, like, it's a quote, I think, but really, it's like strong women come from strong women. I was on a panel once, with a whole bunch of women and and I didn't actually know all of them. And then I learned that one of the women on the panel was my friend's mom. And I was just like, how had you never introduced me? This is your mom? This amazing badass woman is your mom? What? Yeah. And then another one, another woman on the panel, she was one of uh, our other board director, one of the boards that I served with. It was her mom. And like in that room, like we were all connected to each other. And it was so, so, like the first time maybe that there was like two generations of women, like we were all in the room, whether we were in the audience or the panel. And I was like, if no other moment in my life has defined for me, strong women come from strong women. Like it was like such a beautiful moment of that intergenerational teaching of, of resilience and, and strength, really. And so yeah. I, I love that you share that, you know, you've shared with me before how many different versions of like herself, your mom has gone through it, and you can totally see that she's passed on this legacy of growth to you. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful way to put it. She has passed on the legacy of growth to me. And it's like the inner Phoenix in her has been passed down to me. And I'm so grateful for that. I love that. And, you know, before I let you go, where can people watch Identity of Wellness or work with you as a coach? Yeah, you guys can watch Identity of Wellness at www.identityofwellness.com or on CBC Gem. The identitiesofwellness.com will just take you to CBC Gem anyways. And uh, for coaching, you can meet me at sumikandola.com or at Coach with Suman on Instagram or on TikTok. And you can find my production services at Self Hired. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being my very first guest on uh, Legacy Brunch Club. I love you. Of course, of course. We've been recording since 11, 11 a.m. and now it's 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Suman. I love and appreciate you so much. I'm so excited to share this episode so my network and everyone that I know can get to know you too. And I really hope, you know, a few of these people end up working with you in some capacity from the amazing things you do. Thank you. I love you too. And congrats. Thank you. Bye.